Yoshinori Ono talks the current state and tentatively promising future for Street Fighter V in a newly released interview with US Gamer. Tokido's performance with Akuma at Topenga has catalyst all but certain that the demonic fighter will be a problem here in Season 5, and a recent Event Hub's poll regarding the production of more SF5 content yields some surprising results on this week's episode of the Event Hub's podcast. Perfect. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hub's podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Hello, hello, working from the uh, the safety and confines of my own home office today, unlike every other week where I work from the safety and confines of my own home office. But <laughs> yep, yep, That's how we roll here at Event Hub's. But hey, we have some big news here. We have a congrats going out to John. John, tell everyone the news. What What happened with you? <laughs> Oh, uh, I had a nice little weekend where my girlfriend, uh, Brittany, and I went to Portland. And then when we came back, she was my fiance. So I was able to propose and it was very nice. Got to see some friends, um, had her dad come down from Washington to surprise her. It's probably about the last possible moment we could have uh, had this trip. We've been planning it for months, or I should say I've been planning it for months uh, before all of this kind of stuff is, is no longer an option. So we squeaked it in there at the very end and um, yeah, I got to propose. She said yes, spoilers. And uh, so now she is my fiance. Yes, congratulations. And there is a beautiful photo up on John's Twitter uh, that shows a proposal moment. Uh, that was like a great capture. How did you guys get that? Like oh, it, it's a, so picturesque. Yeah, that was on Saturday and we woke up that morning and it was actually snowing, which that happens in Portland from time to time. But the to give you a, real, a little bit of a reference, the friends that we were going out and visiting um, they said that they hadn't seen it snow like that at all, and they've been there for about two years. They've seen some sleet, um, usually stuff that doesn't stick, but it can It snowed, and that was awesome. It was it was a very uh, it was a very awesome atmosphere. But my plan was to go to Cathedral Park, which is right under St. John's Bridge. Which, if you've seen the picture, that's where we're at. And the weather was not really letting that be a thing, you know, because it was still snowing and it was super cold, and you know, I mean. I have to explain this for people that are in Arizona like myself because we never see <laughs> snow or anything like that. I realize a lot of the people that are listening do. Um, so anyways, uh, we were at breakfast and people uh, in the group were kind of like, well, what are we going to do next? Everybody except for Brittany knowing that the plan was to go and do the proposal in a park, uh, you know, five minutes away. But it stopped snowing for just long enough. It was like a 45 minute window where we realized it wasn't snowing, said, hey, maybe we could go and venture out to the park for a minute. We got there. It was an amazing Bob Ross-esque background with fog and the, the water and the trees looked like they had, it almost looked like the snow was just like cotton placed over the top of the trees. Um, and, and you could see like the arches of the underway of the of the bridge. It was all really perfect. And there was actually a quinceanera uh, there <laughs> going on there. And um, we walked a little ways away from them, but they were about 50 yards up, uh, up the hill under the bridge with us. And after the moment had uh, happened and I stood back up, I heard them cheering from you know, like about 50 yards away, gave them the thumbs up. It was, it was a really nice moment. I couldn't have asked for a better setting and like nature was just like, here's a 45 minute perfect window. And then it's snowing again because it started coming down as we were coming back. And, um, but yeah, all around good feelings and exciting to go into this next chapter of life and who knows what's up there, but yeah, good times. 
yeah, it's it's pretty magical. I, I highly recommend people go and check it out and look at it. It's it's great. Like we don't often have you know um, uh, proposals, marriages, and all that kind of stuff. The FJC, so you know, take notice of it. Uh, and congratulations to both of you guys. It's very cool. Just uh, very happy to see it. So. Thank you. Much appreciated. So uh, let's get into it now. And I want to get into this this interview that Ono had up here with US Gamer, and he was asked about having to fight for Street Fighter like he did previously to get Street Fighter Four made. And he gave a very non-answer answer about how much he loves Street Fighter and he continues to fight for the game. And I'll, I'll just say that he, he, you know, there's a little bit more to it, like a lot of Ono statements you kind of want to read into them, right? Um, esports is a huge venture for Capcom as a company right now. And, and Street Fighter is the only game they have that is supporting their esports ventures. So it's clear that the franchise very much has solid support behind it. But I do want to kind of throw out a little bit of a random scenario uh, as I don't know what has actually happened, so I'm going to kind of make a little bit of a fictitious thing here to work off of. But let's say that Ono and his team made a push for a netcode update, and the cost for that update was $1 million to do. Uh, a number of people at Capcom are going to be upset at the price tag, and, and Ono is going to have to do a lot of work to make that happen in this fictitious scenario. Ono would still be fighting for Street Fighter and having to use his pull and reputation in the company to get this stuff done. And the reason how come I bring up this scenario is I have heard through many people that Ono has used his weight and the company to do this kind of stuff behind the scenes. Um, and so I think we got kind of a non-answer answer here from Ono because he realizes he can't badmouth Capcom and say, oh yeah, you know, they stand in my way sometimes and won't let me get stuff done that I know the community wants to get done because, you know, the price tag is too big or like, you know, they don't, you know, they can't justify putting these resources into it, but I did kind of want to cite a little bit of some behind the scenes, you know, things I've heard from various people at Capcom of what Ono does mm. and, and, you know, kind of cite that he did say he still fights to this very day for fighting games because he loves them so much and so much of his passion is there. And, and I, I wanted to kind of shine the light here because we do give Ono quite a bit of crap here on the podcast and on the website, but it also does come with a good amount of respect for what he does for our scene and these other things. He, he he really does fight behind the scenes for us and for others. Yeah. So. A lot of the answers here as you go through are in that same realm of what you're expecting to, to be very safe and something you might hear like a politician say because and, and it's understandable to a degree. You want information that you can actually use and take home and, and quote later on and, and kind of build expectations around to a degree. But you're you're also, you know, if you're Ono, it's uh, well, what happened with this controversial thing? And it's, well, the good was good and the bad was bad. And moving forward, we want to make sure that everybody's happy. You know, those kind of answers. Uh, but yeah. there are little snippets where, like I said, you can hold on to what he's saying and probably go back to this later and say this might be actually something that is not just fluff to make people happy and, and like I wouldn't say sate them because a lot of these answers don't give us too much, but enough to go, okay, here's a basic idea. Like when they ask him about accessibility and they note that Guilty Gear Strive is one of the upcoming titles and they're really going for accessibility and that's, and then this concept has been a thing in fighting games for the last five or six years now, it feels like, or thereabouts. And let's see, what is 
Ono say here? Um, it's like not much of an answer, right? It's uh, let me let me find the uh, the spot. He goes, acquiring new users and a new audience are important factors for many industries, not just gaming. It's like okay, well, sure. With fighting games, a player's skill is an important element for them to have an enjoyable experience. Uh, maybe something lost in the translation there. That I mean, the concept of skill—that's that's a very broad statement, but okay. At the same time, we understand that this factor, the skill, is also the reason why some people could also feel less enjoyment when playing fighting games. So thus far, well, skill is important, but it also could be a reason why people aren't having fun. I don't really know what that means, but let's keep going. I believe this factor is what makes fighting games unique from other entertainment counterparts. I pretty heavily disagree there, but that's okay. That's not the important part of it. Then he gets into his actual answer. Uh, well, first he says many developers are looking into approachability and are creating games that cater to all types of players. Fair enough. Here's the meat of it. Our approach to this is to make sure that all players can understand and increase their skill level while having fun too. This is something that we will continue to look into now in the future. So with this response, I go, okay, kind of fluff, fluff, nothing, nothing. But that statement there, our approach is to make sure that all players can understand and increase their skill level while having fun too, is something that, at least more so than any other part of the answer, you can take to the bank. And and he has to talk in kind of general concepts here. It's an interview, it's kind of in and out sort of a thing. But I take that and I go, okay, that's interesting. That gives me an idea of where Capcom, or at least Ono, but I would assume Capcom and their fighting division and when you know the people that are gonna go into making the next Capcom fighter, whatever that is, um, are thinking. And they're trying to balance skill and fun, which that's not the newest concept either, but at least their head's there. You know, and, and at least we can garner that. So a, a lot of these answers kind of fit that same model where, like I say, fluff, 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 and then something to hold on to. But that's kind of how I was uh, processing this this interview. Right. And, and uh, actually, speaking of a future iteration of Street Fighter, Ono mentions that and he says that when that gets released with its own unique system, he's talking about, you know, the the, the Street Fighter 4 system, the focus attack, the ultras, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and he goes back to Street Fighter 5 and he says, when we do, you know, a, a new version, a new fighting game, we'll get feedback on whether the V system in Street Fighter 5 was good or not. And this was interesting to me because it sounds like people are very much prisoners of the moment and having a hard time offering constructive and insightful feedback, like right, right at that moment in time, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think back to the focus, you know, focus mechanic and ultras in Street Fighter Four, how they were tweaked into the V system in Street Fighter Five, which I think was an improvement overall because you could only build ultras by taking damage. And this gave you, you know, a set of moves that you could, you know, build up and use as your comeback mechanic, right? Uh, and I don't think that that works well in all cases, but in some, um, where like with the V system, like I should, I should, you know, back up here and say that the um, the V system mechanic like lets you build up, uh, you know, your V gauge to get a comeback mechanic, and. and it hasn't been a perfect system, but it's been a good system because you're actually able to trade off in some instances of doing less damage in a combo to hopefully get that back later in your V trigger. You know, Nikali, G, I think Monat now, a few other characters have a really good V system where it's like, hey, I could either do more damage or I could build up my V gauge. And you're actually conscientiously making that choice and using that, you know, decision to, to impact things. Now we go back to Street Fighter 4, as I just mentioned, ultras, like you could only take damage to build them up. You did not have a choice. And then you also 
had something like the focus attack, which was near worthless for some of the fighters in the game. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of gave it to him to give it to him. And it's like you almost never saw it from some characters. It was just like, well, I can't freaking use this. Like with someone like Dudley, who had one of the best in the game, you saw it much more often. And and instead of like giving everyone a universal move that was, you know, in some cases great and in some cases worthless, they decided to customize the V skill moves in the game and give every character hopefully something that was useful to, you know, use. Um, that's a little bit mixed in Street Fighter V, but overall, most characters' V skills actually do serve a purpose and help them out overall in their game plan. There's a few that suck, but for the most part, that that worked out. And so, my whole point of going back to this is that. When we were playing Street Fighter 4, that wasn't talked about a lot as a big problem in the game. We talked about Vortex, we talked about Balance, we talked about this other stuff. We never really addressed how limited kind of like Ultras and and Focus Attacks Mm -hmm. were kind of in their scope. And it wasn't until Street Fighter 5 came out that in hindsight we looked at these things. And yet again, I kind of wonder about that in Street Fighter 5, and this is what Capcom is saying, that people are prisoners of the moment and it's hard for them to to carefully and calculatedly uh, analyze this kind of stuff and see where the problems exist because we're just so accepting of it being what it is. I almost want to further analyze that just a little bit to grab even more significance because I think there's a lot there. I like how you set this up because at their core, these are both examples of what you could say because it's in a, a continuing franchise, an evolving comeback mechanic, an evolving approach to a comeback mechanic. Now, focus attacks and the V system are, are very different. It's a pretty big evolution jump from one to the other. But Yes, it's like every character has this mechanic. When it comes to focus attack, the variance uh, is very is is much less, right? Because everyone's doing essentially the same thing. Although the ranges, the I think the charge up times are different, and so each focus attack is going to have different uses. And then depending on your character's combos and and special moves, maybe you can use it in other ways where other characters can't. So there is some variance, but when you go over to the V system, uh, that gets pumped up to 11 or more. It's exponentially more potential and more variation there because you're talking not only about a single move that has similar properties, you have uh, a different V skill and a different V trigger for every single character. And I, it's a lot more work, as far as I can tell, from a developer's point of view. But it also offers the opportunity for a lot more nuance and a lot more character to go into your characters as you build them individually. And you give them a specific V skill that's going to augment the way that they play in the neutral or something like that. And, and on their route to getting to the big guns, which would be V trigger. And like you said, also, another improvement is that you don't only need to take damage. And there's already some, I would say, controversy. I don't love the idea of being rewarded, especially with your most powerful attack for having taken damage. I think that's really training wheels, and and I get it. Like You want to give people that aren't doing uh, as well as others a chance to come back and keep their, their them in the game, but that only, I mean, that's a, that's a slippery slope. So there's a lot more nuance in Street Fighter V's version of the comeback um, system, and therefore there's a lot more you can do with it, and uh, there's a lot more that can go wrong too, and a lot more work, but to see where it will go from, from the V system into whatever Street Fighter Six's mechanic is or the next game that'll be interesting I don't suspect that the jump will be as great as we saw from focus attacks to the V system but I would venture to guess that they've struck something here that they probably won't be going away from entirely I think that whatever comes next will look similar to the V system but 
Street Fighter has always had its its own identity in these mechanics, like, and they've been fairly different. But with as much work and thought had to go into designing the V system and how it serves as a basic fundamental tool for fleshing out characters and giving them uh, it checks a lot of boxes simultaneously and i think it's something that's going to stick around uh, to a degree for a while now uh, i want to go back to something you were talking about which is you know giving people choice and giving them options and capcom actually said that v skill twos have made things maybe too complicated for casual players and this jumped out to me as a classic capcom statement and that the more systems they they add um, they make their stuff more in, open-ended over time because when you're first pitching a product to people, it, it can be hard to get them in the door and throw 50 options at them. They're like, what does everything do? You know, like what, what's going on here? I, I remember you talking about that with Mortal Kombat 11, where you're like, this feels very overwhelming at first because I have so many options on the table. I'm not used to like, I'd really like to just have, you know, a handful of options to work with and then have that evolve. And that's been class, uh, Capcom's classic approach with stuff. And I think it works pretty well because, you know, we're very hardcore here in the FGC. And if we're feeling overwhelmed, then that's probably a very bad sign. Mm. And, and you know, it's I get it. Like people like, you know, Vanilla Street Fighter V was way too plain, way too simple. But so was Vanilla Street Fighter Four for a lot of people, uh, especially coming from the Third Strike days. It was like a, a very... It was very vanilla approach, for lack of a better term. When you go right? from yeah. the most complex version of the last game to the vanilla version of the new game. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, but I also think it is the right approach. I think that like we, we as fighting gamers, like we kind of, we want those deep and complex systems, but we sometimes forget about the newcomers and the casual people who are picking up this game too. And they, they like a little bit more of a simplified approach, especially at first. And then over time, like, you know, as we get into version two, three or four, you know, later on down the road, I think that having these options make a lot more sense. And, and it, you know, it's great to have a, you know, super polished product, you know, right from the get go. But I think kind of history shows that going for a more simplified approach is usually the right, you know, the right approach. And, and I think that if people are expecting Street Fighter Six or the new Marvel versus Capcom game to be, you know, unbelievably op- you know, high levels of options and other stuff like we've seen with Ultimate and Street Fighter Five right now, that is not what's going to happen. Uh, we're typically going to start with a scale down approach and go on from there. Well, I can tell you that like the first 20 years or so of my life, I was very much a casual fighting game player. And I played a handful of Marvel versus Capcom 2 as a kid in um, in a GameWorks arcade in, in the mall that I grew up near and never had any concept of higher level competitive play. I, I was very content just playing against the computer and trying to beat the boss with one credit, you know? And I only I didn't pick good characters. My team was Ryu, Venom, and uh, either Akuma or Wolverine or Iron Man. I kind of uh, flipped those last three. And I and in this it's it's true for Marvel vs. Capcom too. But as a handful of other fighting games that I played, there's a ton of options at the beginning. What assist do you want? What you know? And and, and what in this case it's like what assist or what uh, V skill and then what V trigger. Um, but I, I can imagine at least one of those types of options. If you're playing one of the uh, CVS games, it's like or CVS two, right? It's like what ism do you want to play with? Um, and, and like, I didn't know the significance to those things, but I had no problem as a casual gamer, just kind of clicking through and not understanding, oh, do I want manual or auto and my assists type and stuff like, I didn't know what that was, but as a casual gamer, I also didn't really care. And I was able to go in there and mash buttons and kind of figure out the, the level of casual, uh, uh, gaming approach or whatever I'm trying to say. Like I was able to have fun with it without understanding those things. And I can imagine myself jumping onto street fighter five and 
just V-Skill 2, like half these names are in Japanese or they're, they're not giving me any idea of what they actually do. What's Mind's Eye? I have no idea, but whatever, I'll pick that one. It sounds cool. And being able to explore the game on that casual level without having to understand those things. So to me, from my own experiences, I can see th this wouldn't be much of a, of a bump in the road for the casual players. And for those that are, anyone that would have a problem with it, uh, or, or take issue with it in any way, what you, well, the answer to that is, well, figure out what it is and use it more effectively, and then <laughs> you're just moving further away from the casual realm. But I don't see any scenario where that makes someone say, oh, what, V-Skill, I have to pick that? Well, I'm not playing this anymore. You know, so I think it's not really going to be an issue for the casuals. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's anecdotal evidence is what it's going to come down to, and, you know, I you're not going to get very many metrics out there of people who, you know, got to the character select screen and the V skill option and, you know, uninstalled the game at that point. Right. Like yeah. I don't think those metrics exist, but it, it does, you know, I mean, for myself, I, I can say there's been a number of games where, you know, I'm getting into like, you know, a final fantasy game and they spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes explaining how, you know, their, uh, their magic system works or other things. And I go, Oh boy, this is a little bit overwhelming. You know, uh, I'm going to kind of power through this, but this is a little bit of a turnoff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I've seen it happen with some people who play fighting games. Uh, um, I've been playing them so long; it's not a big deal to me. But you know, it's I can see it being an issue. But it's you know, it's very anecdotal at that point. Like, how much do you think that's a factor or not? Right. Sure. So. Anyway, uh, moving on here, uh, I, another quote from Ono, he mentions, it's exciting to see a title going into its fifth year with an increasing number mm -hmm. of active players, as we have not seen that in previous iterations of Street Fighter. And if I'm reading what Ono said here correctly, he is mentioning that their approach with Street Fighter V being the only disc thing you need to ever buy and offering free upgrades has increased their player base over previous versions, over any any entry in their franchise apparently because everyone is housed under the same roof they can keep playing the same game if you bought vanilla street fighter 5 you got all these upgrades you might be missing a bunch of dlc and costumes and other things but if you don't care and you just want to play ryu you know you've got that option like you bought the game you're good for the rest of your life right hmm. so um he did say that you know they might be looking at some some kind of different like business models going forward but it sounds like they consider this specific instance a success overall for them and that i think it's going to continue going forward because hey highest player base you know uh, active numbers you've ever seen is a really good thing especially for a game that's been a modest success for sales i think it would be the way i would call it because I, I think street fighter 4 got up there to like about 9 million in sales so 4 million for this is kind of like you know hey not too bad right but um, all that considered is a PlayStation exclusive, all this other kind of stuff. I think they look at this and go, this is probably the way we should go forward with it. That's kind of the vibe I get from what Ono said there. I remember reading through this, and I have it up in front of me here, but again, these are this is particular, and I want to be very uh, specific with the words here. Um, again, it's this uh, interview is lightly edited for clarity, and you've got to have that you know translation um, factor going on. It says, Based on the fact that we are seeing an increasing number of active users after the launch of Champion Edition, makes me feel this was in the right direction. Um, but I, I, something you just said, and when I was initially reading it, made it feel like, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, that this was, uh, there were more users than ever? Something along those lines for Street Fighter V, or is that coming out of thin air? That's what I think they're saying, too. And, and I mean, we, we did get confirmation not that long ago that they have half a million matches going on daily with the game. Uh, and apparently that's increased with Champion Edition, which sounds accurate to me. And I mean, that feeds into stuff like DLC sales and all that other kind of stuff, which is really important. I mean, you want people 
constantly in your game, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's yeah. They've also been doing, and we don't know what the results directly coming from these have been, but those free-to-play weekends and mm -hmm. uh, letting people play with most, or yeah, I think even the most recent one was like all of the DLC or close to it, and that's getting closer to that. Well, it's dipping its toes in the free-to-play model, right? It's a small version of that because like, hey, come play for a minute, and if you like it, you can pay to play more. Uh, so I, I, I do wonder how much that has been influencing the the surge of players. No doubt that Champion Edition and it being updated and kind of getting back to the front uh, the front burner and, and, and in, in front of people's faces, probably more advertising and such, has also helped. Um, and it also helps that the game, I think, is in a better place than it ever has been. It's very unfortunate that we're not getting to showcase it as much as we would be if the Pro Tour was you know, going on and stuff like that. But we have had some instances like Evo Japan and now Topanga to showcase the game, um, stream it out on higher levels. And you do have people still... Um, regularly streaming from home and and um, you know the content creators so there are ways that it's getting out there I'm just trying to think like where what what is it what's the main factor here that's growing this game um, suddenly because the idea that it's getting more players now than ever it's like that's good and that's what you'd expect when the latest and greatest comes out but it's also been just like this arduous road where I felt I felt like People, like the game might have been bleeding um, uh, users. Like I, I can see that in in my own walks, where certain people have just been like, yeah, I tried, I tried, I tried, and and some of them jump ship right away. Some of them jump shipped after you know season two, season three, whatever. But and especially after last year with all the radio silence, I figured that numbers would have been bleeding away, and and it would have been better for Street Fighter uh, Champion Edition, but not the best it's ever been. So that's a really encouraging thing, and and it kind of. Um, refreshes my perception of how things are going. And it's like, yeah, this this is actually working. The 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 rain clouds are actually moving away, and this game is is really starting to take off. I think that the fighting game division at Capcom, and I say this carefully, is starting to find their stride. Yeah. It's scary, right? Isn't that terrifying <laughs> to say? But it's like, well, I'm looking yeah. at the evidence here, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it, that, that that's what the evidence is pointing to. Uh, so two things on that. One, I, I don't disagree. I have just kind of have a long, sure, you know, that's kind of kind of what I'm aiming. Yeah, I, I kind of is agree. it not you enough know, of an evidence to say that we're doing we're doing well. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. Uh, it go, goes back to two things. Like, I bet you with the Street Fighter 3 players, there was an initial rush of players and that a lot of people came back to play Third Strike because they kind of figured out the formula and came back to it. And so if Capcom had numbers back then that said... Yeah, this is the highest amount of players we've ever had, you know, with with playing Third Strike. It's like, well, that makes sense. You kind of perfected the formula. And that's what Capcom, that's what I'm getting at is what they do throughout their history is that I don't know if Ultra Street Fighter 4 had more than like the launch of Street Fighter 4. Um, but a lot of people got back into the game because they had fixed a lot of the vortex issues, a lot of the balance issues, a number of things like Capcom typically makes their games quite a bit better over time. That's what they're very well known for. Uh, and the, I, I honestly think it's one of the things that they probably don't get enough credit for. Um, their, their polished products, like, you know, five years down the road, six, seven, eight, whatever, you know, are actually usually very, very good. Uh, it's just the initial launch is pretty rough around the edges, usually with most of their games. And, um, and yeah, so I, I, I think what you're saying is true, but there's a little bit more to it, right? <laughs> sure. So, uh, so, yeah. Sure. 
Um, so anyway, uh, circling back around here, uh, Odo confirmed that the team was already working on a netcode update before the mod was released, uh, which is something we'd heard actually rumors of quite a bit and actually talked about on our pod and website, which was nice to have confirmation that, hey, uh, you know, our sources that we'd heard this from were actually correct with it. Um, they said that the netcode update improved the majority of people's experiences, which is how our poll looked on the website, but not how their Twitter poll looked up on their account. Uh, theirs was much more mixed. So I, I don't know exactly where Ono, if he was citing our poll or there's another thing or like other metrics are looking at, but he did say that they are uh, continuously improving the net. I should say that continuous improving the net code should be something that they do, which is very nice to read. And, and that those updates should go hand in hand with updating the game's balance and such. And he said it is a challenge that they understand and embrace. And I said, holy smokes, does this mean what I think it means that we are going to see continuous updates to the game's netcode, which is actually exactly what should be done. Because when you're doing rollback code, there are a number of instances in a game where it's like, oh, wow, that move is kind of broken and stupid and how the netcode behaves with it. And if we're constantly looking at this stuff and trying to balance it, it works a heck of a lot better. And you have to look no further than Bison's V-Trigger 1 and go, holy crap, that thing causes a ton of latency even if you're playing offline and when you're playing online good luck and so rebalancing and tweaking that as it's going along and realizing that's an issue and them them addressing it is what i'm hoping they're saying here it sounds like what they're saying but i'm you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be a little skeptical here and, and you know and, and and reserve some judgment and you know not give them every benefit of the doubt right but anyway sounds like a very healthy approach yes yeah. so i'm I'm stoked about that. I, I just kind of, I hope it comes to fruition. It, it's what it really should be in fighting games with rollback netcode. You need to look at all these individual things that are happening and try to improve upon them. And there it is. I have that same reservation going into it. But one of the things that makes me a little more confident that the idea of the, or that Capcom would be approaching with the approach that you just said constantly paying attention to and improving the netcode maybe in the same way they're looking at the game's balance maybe you know we get a balance update just about once a year or so um, sometimes more for other games but to attend to a netcode uh, on that same level or maybe even more frequently i'm not sure you know all the details that go into that does seem to be the way of the future and but then you have the question of well how long is it going to take Capcom especially to jump on the the bandwagon of the future right because they tend to be a little more conservative in their ways and their approaches and their business models and whatnot which has been a conversation we've been having uh, not as much recently but definitely over the last couple of years as we've seen Street Fighter 5 evolve the whole discussion between Capcom USA and Capcom Japan uh, all that being as it is Ono has said before, remember fairly famously now, I'm firmly grasped the situation. And he uses similar diction here. Like, you know, we, we understand what's going on. He says, he started that answer with, I personally understand the PC gaming culture and the mod community. Maybe a little bit different from I firmly grasped the situation, but still discussing the concept of like where the net code and where online capabilities fit into the puzzle now and, and that that puzzle piece has evolved and gotten a lot bigger in a, in a fairly short amount of time. Ono is saying, okay, guys, 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 I, 
I've heard you. The attention needed to be here a lot more than uh, than it used to, and and I understand that now. And it seems like he's trying to communicate that to us very clearly and consistently here, saying a similar statement um, from last time. He wants us to know that yes, I, I get it. And even through all of the fluff and all of the stuff I talked about earlier about being a little bit political and, and safe in these kind of interviews, not promising too much and not getting yourself into trouble and not making one crowd angry and the other happy or vice versa. I see through here that that seems to be a thread. That seems to be something that Ono is standing on. And if that is the case, then everything you just laid out, the idea of a consistently updated netcode is promising. And that's 100% what we need right now, man, because online is, I mean, especially with what's going on right now and everyone being quarantined, it's like, well, what do you do? Everyone's going online even more. And not that this is going to be the norm moving forward forever, but it's definitely like a shot in the arm or a further fire under your butt. Hey, guess what? All the majors, they're being canceled right now or postponed. So all you have is online. All the focus is there. And, uh, it's it's also just the general way of the future. So the faster, like I've said before, we can get online up to par, the better. Yeah. And and uh, the last thing I had here was that um, how they decide on adding characters is done with a lot of internal discussion and debate amongst their team. Of course, you know, like it, it, if you think you're a big fan of the characters, like, you know, knowing you're going to work on a character for months or, you know, half a year or whatever to get them ready and all that and, and the, the resources you need to invest in them. You can imagine the very spirited discussions that, that happen at Capcom when they're looking to do this. Right. Um but at the end, actually, Ono said this, that the reaction from the fans after an announcement and a launch of each new character will be used as a topic of discussion for future character additions as well. So they are actually looking at it. I'm sure DLC sales and a number of other things are, you know, the, the reception of the community is factoring. And they didn't say how big of a factor. They just said that it weighs in, which I thought was notable and actually pretty cool to see. You know, like how hype are, are people getting about this character? What are they doing? Like... All that kind of stuff like that should be a factor. This is DLC. You're asking people to buy a product at the end of the day. I still remember when Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 was announced. And you had a few characters in there like Phoenix Wright and other stuff that people were hyped about. And then you had like people like Nova and a few others. And they're like, what? Who? What? Who is this character? Why? Why would I even want them in the game and other stuff? And like, you know, people are kind of salty about that. Um, so it's really cool that Capcom is very closely monitoring this stuff and trying to get characters in there that are going to be more hype for the crowd. Uh, and more hype for the community, which is a very good look. My faith in the team, the development team's uh, ability to examine all the different parts of a character and put them all together to make the the newer characters that we've had, and then also to go back and kind of tweak the older ones to put them into, I guess you might say, the models that they want them to actually be, um, has definitely leveled up. He starts that response to this question, too, by saying the producer, director, battle design team, art director, etc., all need to line up when determining the characters. And so you're like, man, that's a lot of checks and balances that I have to go through before you can get, you know, jury's move set out there is what that sounds like, right? And a lot of the earlier characters in the game, especially the launch cast, of course, seem to have, you know, V skills that were were like worthless, right? Or or very clearly not doing one of the jobs that they're there to do. And it's it's hard because these different components of the characters are there not only to be a tool set to fight the other characters and to fight them in in like 
in a sense of like you know fairness and balance like don't make it too good compared or relative to the rest of the cast but it also has to add to the particular character that you're using's personality right and their move set and it maybe if they're a legacy character well you have to bring angry scar back or maybe that's an idea for for someone like sagat right and how do you incorporate that while also balancing yes it has to be part of his move set and it has to work in this certain way where you're using it to build v trigger but it also gives you options into how you want to do your combos it's like there are a lot of moving parts here and like i said the ball was certainly dropped especially with some early characters where you're like okay well now he's got v trigger and now she's got you know using her v skill and it's worthless or especially v reversals it's like well oh those are in the game but more recently the way that v triggers and v skills work with each other uh the team has figured that out and that's another reason why you would hope that they don't go too far away from this model because if they've again hit a stride here you'd want them to continue rolling on that strength and continue to refine it but i have been more impressed it's not to say that they're all perfect and i and i don't have every example in my head right now uh, to pick apart but a lot of the more recent characters have had a better balance in the way that their v systems work not only to represent who they are as a character give them personality and such but also to work with each other as a tool set to try to get the job done of uh, winning around yeah i got you there um it's there, there's a lot here going on with the game and it's nice to, to have these kind of behind the scenes peaks um going here with street fighter 5 we don't often get them and there's you know ono he speaks in code sometimes because he has to and also because of language barriers and things but it's it's nice to have these takeaways here um and, and you know it, it's there's good information you just kind of have to dig for it a bit and that's what mm -hmm. we're here for to unpack it here at a different level and uh and yeah i'm excited this came up today right but i'm excited to go back through it and uh and reread with a close eye and and develop a few more articles of like well this sounds like this is saying this or there's something to look out for here but uh, there is a lot of good information here, even if, like I said, it's kind of uh, got some fluff and some safe tape across the top of it and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah, there it is. All right. So I want to get into it now. I want to really address this head on. And I want to talk about Akuma's highly privileged existence right now in Street Fighter V, especially <laughs> as it relates to Tokido. And, and first off, Tokido got two seven O's uh, in Topanga Championship. One on Daigo, one on Kawano, and he almost got one over Fudo. He got a seven one on him. This is an incredibly dominant performance at this level. Extremely strong. And, and you might be saying, "Hey, wait, wait a second! I saw a bunch of Akuma's nerves here in season five in the patch notes, and he got like he was nerfed all up and down. Like, what are you talking about?" And I'll just say I saw the same things, and I just wondered if they really added up into anything. Worse worthwhile especially with this evidence staring us in the face of of a dominant dominant performance here by akuma you want to hear my initial reaction to that we don't have to go into any yeah, details do it, do it. but initial reaction is akuma was indeed nerfed here's the scary thing he's a worse character than he was last season here's the other thing he is so versatile and has tools across the board that if you take away the ability to throw a fireball and, and then cancel into v trigger and uh, you make his, what is it, standing heavy punch uh, or some of his normals not have uh, reach as far or not um, or linger longer, right? So he's not quite as good in the footsie battle. He just falls back onto other very valid tools. He's like, oh, man, you took off the cherry of my Sunday. Well, I still have a full Sunday sitting right here <laughs> and I can just go over to this option or that option. And also, as the game evolves, he's able to play in whatever the new meta is, right? Oh, it's footsies now? Great. 
great. I can do that. Oh, is it zoning time? Great. Oh, are we reliant on who has the best V trigger? Great. It's like Akuma has it all. So uh, it's going to take someone like Tokido to unlock all this potential because he's, you know, glass cannon and the whole thing. We've talked about that quite a few times, but there it is. Akuma just, his, his bench is so deep. You could take away a star player and it's like, all right, well, here's my second runner up. It's better than everybody else still. Ugh. Yeah, I, one of the things I took special note of is that they nerfed his forward throw. They added an additional three frames of recovery, and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, no throw loops anymore. Well, nope, think again. He played uh, Kawano, and he got him in the corner, and he ended up, like, throw looping him. Like, you know, it's not a true throw loop, but, like, an additional three frames of recovery didn't even stop him from, like, repeatedly throwing Kawano. I think he got him three or four times, and he frame trapped him and killed him. And it was like, oh, my gosh. It's like, they nerfed this, right? Like, they actually, I saw in the patch notes, it looks a little bit different. But in, I want to be careful here. I'm not saying the nerfs didn't impact Akuma at all. I Again, I'm just wondering how much they actually impacted him, just like what you said. Um, and it's not like Kawano totally sucks, right? He beat Dogura. He took Fudo and Mago down to the wire. He had poor showings against Daigo and, of course, Tokido, as I, I mean, just talked he, about. He made it into the finals of Topanga yes. 2020, yes. so there's that. But, but like, this is, like, it, it's, like, it, it, people are going to immediately, oh, he got 7-0. This guy, you know, he's not as big of a name, all this kind of stuff. He just, he's not that good, right? It's like, no, no, he's very good. He plays Colleen, which a lot of people think is a, a very strong character in this version of the game. I'm not 100% sure where I stand on that, but regardless, let me give you guys a scenario here, just in case you're not believing me, right? Akuma did an EX air fireball towards Kawano's Colleen. Kawano had V trigger two already active and ready to go, right? Didn't have to, you know, do anything. Um, and, and so on reaction to seeing Akuma do his EX air fireball, Kawano does the, the forward charge thing. It's called the frost edge, right? The, the one that, that Colleen players do all the time in V trigger two. And he goes under Akuma's EX fireball and you think, okay, like, you know, Akuma has to come down. He has to land. He has to have recovery frames, all this other kind of stuff. And so uh, Kawano lands on the other side. But what happens is Tokido lands and does stand light punch and gets a combo on Kawano. And Kawano literally shakes his head and he's like, what the hell when this happens? Colleen's V-Trigger 2 is known as one of the best V-Triggers in the game. It's notoriously hard to deal with. And I need to point out at this point in time here that Tokido didn't even react to this scenario. Like, oh, I just got away with murder. You know, I can't believe I did it. He was just all zoned in. Like, yes, I totally expected this bullcrap situation to it's work Tuesday. out in my favor. Why Why would he not expect it to work out in his favor? He didn't even react. Kawano's like sitting there going like, oh my God. Like, it, it, he, there was no smirk. He didn't even have the common decency to show a little bit of shame. He just kept playing like, yep deal with it bitch so I, was, <laughs> I couldn't believe it so if i did this to someone i want to be very clear careful like whatever no very clear when i'm saying this i want to be very clear if i did this to someone i would be laughing and like totally ashamed i'd like be putting my hand on my face and stuff like that tokyo didn't even flinch he expected this to happen this is full akuma privilege and it's bull crap and we gotta stand up to this crap like we can't have tier lists coming out that like have akuma down at like 15th or whatever that we've seen that where did they put him fair. in topanga what's that where did they put him in topanga the, the it, it bs varied. topanga tier like, list 
in the most recent one that Tokido was a part of, he was fourth overall, but he was behind Colleen. And I, I don't know. I'm seeing this as a top two character right now. I, either him or G is who I'm seeing as number one. Uh, and if you told me that Akuma's still number one, I'm not arguing against it. But G has got some very lopsided matchups that make me think he's number one. But oh, I have <laughs> some notes. We just for those of you at home, uh, we talked about you know the basic of like we want to talk about how powerful Akuma is, especially after Tokido's performance at Topanga. That's about it. So I have some Akuma notes, which I just revised to say Akuma privilege notes because I love that phrase and the first one here is converts stray hits slash sudden opportunities into full potential a lot of the time more efficient than a lot of other characters who are more distance dependent what i mean by that is anytime something accidentally works out for akuma and this is also very true for g especially in v trigger uh, but if something like just kind of works out for akuma and a lot of things do especially because of air fireball he is able to turn that into either a lot of damage or perfect, you know, corner setup or, or side switch with Oculator or all of the above. Whereas a lot of other characters, if they're not close enough, they won't be able to do their full combo or they can't get max damage or whatever, or they're just not even close enough to actually reach you. I, I'm feeling that a lot. I've played obviously Nikali and now Kage. They both of those characters um, have a hard time with reach, and, and sometimes you have to do different combos depending on how far away your your confirm is. Sometimes it won't even work at all. You, you it, but. I digress. Akuma, if he catches you with that damn knee, uh, that is almost always going to convert into the Tatsu, and from there it's whatever he wants. If you have like a third of your health left and he hits you with a V-trigger combo, you're like, you're done, and you're in Oki afterwards anyway, so if you weren't done then, there's a good chance you were now. He still has the escape from the corner, so it's like, Every opportunity that Akuma gets, he is almost always able to take full and efficient advantage of it, where a lot of other characters won't necessarily be able to do that. And he's really good at creating those opportunities, mostly because of Air Fireball and the way that move just works. But there are other situations as well where just, well, accidentally did it. Huh, well, I guess I'll go into full combo with Oki later if you're still alive. And that's got to be one of the character's uh, biggest strengths, biggest things that he has going for him. Yeah, let me let me give a scenario of that actually happening in Topanga. So it was against Fudo's Mika, and, and Tokido is down to about 80 health, and he's in the corner. It's match point. That's a bad scenario for pretty much everyone in the game. And Fudo is actually a little lower than half health here. So Tokido wakes up, does his three-frame stand light punch jab, activates uh, crouching medium kick into demon flip into double air fireball, right? I, we've all seen that set up like a hundred times. It's very standard. So Fudo, his natural reaction is to jump back uh, to counter one of the double air fireballs and whatnot, but one of them tags him in the foot. Hmm. And just as you're saying about Tokido, of course, converts because Akuma's allowed to walk outside, check the mail, come back, sit in his <laughs> chair, straighten up his you know headband and all this other kind of stuff, and then finish off his air combo into his fireball. Like, it, it's it's ridiculous. And so from there, he does a reset and crouching medium kick into super and he wins. Like, and Fudo's sitting there, literally sitting there laughing like, oh my God, what just happened? That was ridiculous. And guess what Tokido's doing? He's sitting there like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. He drinks his brain soda or whatever that drink is that they had at Topanga. <laughs> and there's nothing from him. He expects 
expects this stuff because he plays Akuma. This is totally how he fills the go down. Gallons of bullcrap are pouring out of your monitor. And he's just like totally fine. He's like, oh, it's Akuma, dude. It's a, <laughs> give me a shrug, dude. Give me a semi-contrite look. Like anything. Not even the full contrite look. Just a semi one that you have some remorse or shame. He didn't even do it. He was all in on this. No remorse. Uh, I'll no take my remorse. two million yen with zero shame. <laughs> what are you talking this about? This is what I'm saying. He put Yuri as a number one character in his tier list. And why did he do that? Because he's $20,000 richer. That's why. He made a crappy tier list and it made him $20,000. When I make a crappy tier list, I just get insulted in the comments and on Twitter. And I'm hella jealous. I want to make $20,000 from a mind-blowingly awful tier list. I'm insulted at how masterful this man was this is i'm i'm pissed I, i'm <laughs> livid but i'm also completely respecting what just happened well Th this was incredible the next question that we have to that, that comes up is is this an unfair ability or is it well akuma's one of the best in the game and someone's gonna have it or is is this hurting the experience is akuma too good and maybe we don't have an opinion on that yet maybe we haven't seen enough from everybody else here in street fighter 5 season 5 to make that call but in your initial reactions is this too much should akuma not be able to get as much off of all these situations given that most other characters in the cast are not going to get similar um, um rewards yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to answer your question with a few examples here that we've compared because we, we get all these complaints about Rashid still being this amazing character. Right. And I wonder if this entire time people are just overlooking Akuma and here are the people still playing Akuma besides Tokido from, from last season, NL, Takamura, Haitani. Now Haitani is still playing uh, other people like Seth and Laura, but he's also still playing Akuma. Otani, XSK Samurai, and then Brandon, who's one of the top players in Singapore, according to CN, um, and he says great things about him. And when we have seen Brandon on stream, he does very, very good things with Akuma. Here's my thing. If Akuma sucks and is not that great of a character, if he's B tier, as some of the tier list had him out there, like if he's not that great, all these people are still not playing him. Almost everyone that I've seen that was playing him previously in season four and doing well is still playing this character. That to me tells me this character is still great. Does he need to be nerfed? From what I just saw, watching Tokido roll over the best players in Japan and, and just make it look free, yes. I think this character is out of control right now. I don't even know if he's much worse than he was in season four. I saw the list of nurse. I wonder if he's about the same as he was in season four, even right now. Yeah. Well, a big part of it is just Tokido is that good. Yes. Um, I have that to should be a factor. That. He, he, I have to concede that, but he's not that good with Urien. <laughs> That's very true. Well, and, and he hasn't been this good with Akuma up until this point. And I mean, he's been very, very good, right? But he hasn't been 7 0 Daigo good, right? Oh and and in Topanga, the first, so there was two phases. In the first phase, he went 8 0. And in the championship phase, he went 4 1. So what is that? A total of five games, there are five sets that he played. I'm sorry, um, um, 13 sets that he played, and he only lost one of those. His overall game differential, at least in the finals, was plus 20. Second place in Fudo was plus 6. It's like there is a chasm here between Tokido and everyone else. And like it's weird, right? Because if you're looking at the way that the game has evolved, or I'm sorry, the way that the characters have evolved, Akuma didn't get buffs. He got nerfs. 
Other characters that were strong around him got a few nerfs, but a lot of people got buffs in, in, in various forms, and you would expect that that would translate to Akuma falling a good bit. And, and sure, p- people have been putting him lower on tier lists, you know, out in 5th place or 10th place and stuff, and that's feels a little egregious, especially after the results of Topanga, but you can see why people would begin to think that now that we have some actual gameplay evidence. And again, it is Tokido, probably the best player in the world. If not, he's always in the conversation for top three, you know. Um, it's just the chasm there is is crazy. And so you go, well, what makes... for if, if Akuma is indeed as good as these results are saying he is, why? Because he got nerfed. A lot of other characters got a little bit better. Uh, how, that that doesn't add up. And it's like, well, maybe the answer is the game's meta has shifted, and Akuma's ability in the game's meta is particularly strong. And that's where my answer uh, stands right now. I didn't watch all of Topanga. I watched uh, all of Daigo versus Tokido in the grand finals, and of course. This is certainly, in some respects, an extension of what happened at Kimono Michi two years ago. I think it was in 2018, where Daigo kind of picked Tokido apart and was the Batman, again, of the FGC. And uh, and that was at a first-to-ten set where Tokido just, uh, I mean, he, he got like three or four wins, I think. But Daigo just picked him apart on just the most detailed level. And then we have their long set rematch if you will here at the championship of Topanga and Tokido 7 owes him right and I'm watching how their games played out here and it was such a footsie fest mm-hmm. it was so slow it wasn't a lot of pizzazz it was a lot of you're just sitting at about medium wiggling in and out of about medium button range and fighting that fight and trying to get um, hit confirms and then translate into the business once you've gotten those hits but long rounds a lot of just low forward standing medium kick seeing if if those worked or not um not a ton of fireballs maybe maybe move away from each other a little bit and toss a few but it was very much just kind of a basic footsie battle and akuma with his walk speed like he he doesn't have the best buttons but he's got some pretty good buttons And I don't think he might have the best walk speed, maybe not the best, but he's like, he's so high up in every category that even if he isn't the best, the fact that he's like got an A minus everywhere on the board and that those A minuses work with each other, right? Because if you have a really strong, uh, you know, walk speed and really good normals, holy crap, that's way better than just having really good normals and abysmal walk speed a lot of the times, right? They they work with each other. And I think that uh, Akuma's abilities across the board definitely add up and his ability to play the footsie game that street fighter 5 offline has evolved very heavily into um, if, if you're able to to stay focused like tokido is a big part of that is tokido's ability to push through all of the distractions and the emotional tilts and and like you were getting at earlier even something where it's like oh that shouldn't have happened that can get in your head that can be like oh man I, i'm now i'm kind of fraudulently winning a little bit and then you start thinking about that and hey you're missing hit confirms and 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 you're you're not spacing as perfectly as you would have otherwise He's able to power through all that, but I think you're seeing the closest thing to a machine playing this character, as you're probably going to see, and this is the result. So uh, the answer, the short answer to it all is Tokido and, uh, I'm sorry, Akuma is very good at playing footsies. This game has very much become about footsies, and here's your evidence. Topanga results. 
and I agree with all that. I just want to be very clear. I, I have an immense respect for Tokido, but what I don't have an immense respect for is the fact that he goes out there without any sense of guilt at all that I can see. <laughs> he just needs to look at the camera and say, I'm sorry. You like just mouth it or just kind of look a little sad or something like that. That's all I'm asking for, dude. Like, I get it. I get your great. But damn it, I just so, need something. <laughs> Kuma, do you think he wakes up at night in his bed of money and, and tosses and turns or no? Uh, I think the bed of money can get a little uncomfortable sometimes. So, yeah, I think it happens. But, like, we just don't see it on camera. And I need no. to see it on camera. I do you- see it <laughs> oh, man. Live stream your, uh, your sleeping sessions, Tokido. Weird. <laughs> now, now, I got to ask, though, does this mean that Akuma is, in your eyes, a problem now? Is that something that the yeah. developer should be looking at and oh, looking yeah, to sure. to rebalance? Yeah, I, I've had issues with this character for quite some time. Uh, and I think when we've listed off a number of the changes that we wanted to see with him, uh, I don't think those changes really got fully addressed. I think they addressed a lot of stuff around him. And you and I kind of looked at each other and said, I hope that's enough. I hope they get him. But this is a dominant character in season four. And it looks like he's going to be dominant again in season five. And shocker for all the Akuma players out there and people who play against him, Akuma's good again, great again. What what a shocker! That's never happened before in Street Fighter history. So I have to also give a little additional anecdotal evidence. I, I don't have a ton because I don't really like taking whatever what I've experienced in online play and attributing it here, especially with the kind of nuance that we're like. I don't think you can examine footsies in the same way if you're talking about uh, most online matches because of the things we've talked about in very recent episodes. But I have played with uh, my my good friend Tyler here locally, and he went to G for a while, but came back to Akuma and the level up has been crazy and it's like well maybe tyler's been playing a lot and i'm surely that's that's part of it but also man this character can get the job done um especially when you're playing that footsie game and, and it's it's been me as kage trying to very much play like uh, a footsie like you know um, um style game footsies and fireballs is basically all of it and um tyler has his and akuma has very much thrived there so that's another bit of uh, of evidence to say that yeah this character is great not to take away from the players maybe a little bit but yeah this character has absolutely been able to get the job done in uh, every example that i've seen thus far albeit they're limited but there it is yeah, I've given him so much crap, and I definitely have to say I, I can't see Tokido being out of the top five of players, you know, and I don't know if he has been in the last couple of seasons. Like, I think he's been top five pretty much every year. Yeah. I just wanted to be a little sorry about it. That's all. Just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> anyway, but moving on here. Um, I watched Dogura with Bison, Stand Heavy Punch, and Devil Dick, and Daigo on reaction swept him with Guile. Now, Guile Sweep is a seven-frame move, so I want to be very clear with making that distinction. Not a lot of heavy moves in this game are seven frames. It's pretty darn fast. But this was on reaction and consistently he was looking for Bison's whiff of his heavy punches, and he blew it up. And Bison is quite a bit less able to throw out random heavy punches now and have them work out in his favor. Whether that's, you know, um, again, the Devil Dick, the, the Psycho Axe, as we call it, um, um, are the uh, stand heavy punch both are noticeably worse now and I am so happy about it because Bison was one of the dumbest characters in the game he's still fairly dumb he's still Bison at the end of the day he's still quite good but his brain dead stuff is very clearly toned down and I just cannot be happier about it because the exact the, really the, the largest complaints I think you know outside of Rashid we had in season 4 was just like some of the ungabunga brain dead stuff just really needs to go away and when you're watching Daigo with intent and with purpose standing at ranges where he knows 
knows Bison players want to whiff buttons and want to throw them out there and saying, hey, when you do that, I'm going to punish you for it. It is so refreshing and just great to see. And, and that is a change. You know, we just talked about Akuma stuff not working out. Well, here's very clear examples of this working out. And again, it is uh, the, the Psycho Axe has five more frames of recovery, a bigger hurt box. And then the uh, Stand Heavy Punch has a worse hitbox and a, a bigger hurt box. And it's just like, wow, that has worked out. I'm so happy to see it. I'm really excited to potentially be able to play in an environment where I can explore that further. But obviously, like, you know, our, our, our locals and such are, are not a thing right now. Everything is online. And I don't know that those changes to the to the normals, which are have clearly been significant, more significant than I suspected that they would, um, are able like it's harder to explore those when you're playing in, in lag and, and such. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing in, in the tournaments and what you just laid out is it brings a tear to my eye, you know, and, and as because of the <laughs> the the history of Street Fighter Five thus far, that's those kinds of things have been such a thorn in so many people's sides. It's really nice to have that be legitimately fixed, at least to the degree that it has been. I don't know that it's it's conclusively imperfect or whatever, but but it's a lot better than it than it has been. And and um, being able to explore it and play that footsie game is great. And I and I have been able to do it a little bit in locals and such, um, you know, in the last month or two. It's really unfortunate that we're not able to explore, I think, where this game has had its most significant changes um, because we're not able to play it offline very much right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it just I, sucks. It's just something that I wanted to point out because it's like, ah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I want to jump in there and just mention, I, I think we can explore it. It's just, it's a bit different than what we're used to. And I play Bison as a sub and I was playing him against Dream King just to, you know, uh, try out some different stuff against Gil and whatnot. And it was very clear that, I mean, he was whiff punishing me and setting me up for way more stuff. I had to be way more calculated from the get go. And the moment I went really dumb, like I usually do with Bison at some point, because like, if you have a dumb character, you got to play him that way, right? That's half the fun. Um, I was really limited with what I could do there. And and I you know we mainly play online. I still think it's possible. I get it. It's not offline. I understand that, especially when it comes to things like, you know, with punishing and reaction, but you can do a version of that like to a pretty decent degree if the latency isn't too bad. You can you can still set it up and do it. So I do encourage people like I get offline's not much of a thing right now, but still Keep trying that that online thing. Keep trying to find those perfect matchups and all that. And yeah. you know, stick in a stick in a circle. You you can get it done. So and also I should follow that with. There's a lot of good news in this particular avenue. At the beginning of this podcast, they're acknowledging that this needs to be something that they attend to regularly. It has gotten better from where it was before, and and you know the. The destination that we want to get to, or I shouldn't even say destination, I should say like maybe like a benchmark, it seems to be on the horizon and we seem to be approaching it. And progress is a huge, important thing, you know, so uh, it, it keeps morale up. And, and even though right now kind of like feels, un, like, I guess I would say unfortunate is the best because like, no, we have this game that we can really explore on a level that in, in, in a way that we wanted to. And maybe we as I certainly, and I think there's a lot of people in that camp. And we can't as much as we'd want to now because of this thing that's really not Capcom's fault at all. But alas, it's here. Uh, but still, there everything is moving in the right direction, and um, and and it's a good look overall. I, I'm pointing out a negative, but ultimately, all of this is is very much flowing in a positive direction. So, John, I I need to see where you stand on this very important subject. 
Okay. And that is Fudo, of course, placed in second place at Topanga Cup, like what he always does, Topanga Championship, I should say. But he did it with Mika. And I want to quote you here. This is not an actual quote, but it's close enough. Mika is 21st overall. John, that is a placement I can agree with and get behind. That is what you said on a previous podcast. Mm -hmm. She got second as Fudo's main. Do you agree or are you prepared to join me on our Mika Island with like Luffy's training partners and all the other. We do not have the coronavirus. We'll be very clear about this. We do not have it. You can join us here on the island. Are you prepared to do so? Uh, what exactly does that entail? What that do I have to like, say? Do you agree that Mika's like pretty good or are you? Well, still what's pretty good? Is it top fifteen? Because maybe twenty first is still pretty good. I mean, well, what, what what is your opinion on your previous assessment? Like, how do you feel? Like, because I have her like right around the top ten. I've got her out top ten, top fifteen uh, right now. I have not done every single character, so I can't give a specific placement. But that's about where I have her right now. Uh, Fudo got second place. What do you think about the character? Um, this is more evidence to say that she's better and, uh, and it's cold hard evidence, you know, it's, it's, it's more concrete than anything else that I've had thus far. Cause I haven't played a ton of Mika even playing online and such. And our resident Mika player is playing a lot more Lucia these days. Mm. So, um, I haven't had a lot of experience in, in, in those ways. Um, so yeah, she's better than, uh, she, I, I think she's, I have a better idea and a, and a higher, um, picture of her than I did when I said she was 21st. Like, is there, do I need to admit she's top 10? Is that no, what you're looking for? I just want you to be insulted and have an apologetic look in the camera no, that we don't have. That's what I'm looking for right now. Just well, like I'm just trying know. to go by what the facts say. And yeah. Mika seems, uh, well, it's like what kind of, if, if the game is indeed more footsie based. And I've actually, I remember specifically playing Fudo's Mika at Combo Breaker a few years ago. Game's a little bit different then. But he was very patient and very whiff punishy even back then. And I believe that was before the uh, input uh, um, delay patch was implemented. So that's saying something for sure. And, and Fudo's always been pretty good with stuff like that. You remember his confirms with Fei Long and, and his abilities there. His attention to that footsie kind of detail is very strong. Uh, one of the best, probably the second best player in the world right now. <laughs> uh, I, I think that Fudo also takes the character a long way. Uh, but we, we did have Joey win a tournament here. And uh, and then otherwise haven't seen much uh, in the way of Mika examples outside of that. Yeah, um, top 15. I can, I can digest a top 15 at this point. Mika. I, we're also trying to figure out where a lot of the other characters fall, and we didn't think Akuma would still be as as high as he as he was, or as high as he seems to be now, and especially not like a full head and shoulders above everybody else, seemingly, and and that's kind of popping up here as as the case. So, but I guess to answer your question, I'll say she's top fifteen. Okay, so I I can't put you on Mika Island because you weren't enthusiastic enough, but you're like you're on a boat and possibly on the way there. You could be going to another island, <laughs> I but you could also I go, to Mika. go to Mika Island. Yes. <laughs> so when you're enthusiastic about it, you're like she's top ten, she's awesome. Like then you're on Mika Island, but until then, you're you're you're. you're I feel like if you're on Mika yeah. Island at any moment, you have to be worried that a Nadesco drop kicks coming from any <laughs> angle, and like I don't want to live my life like that. <laughs> that is very true. I completely agree. So moving on. Here and to, to wrap us up, John, Event Hub's readers voted heavily in favor of more Street Fighter V DLC. They want more to the game. What are you seeing there? What do you think? I uh, ran an article, gosh, it was maybe two weeks ago now, a little a little while back. Oh, March. No, it was updated March 16th, two days ago, because we, it was a poll article. And the question was, 
do you want to see another season of Street Fighter V Champion Edition DLC characters? Now, it's not outright stated here, but it seems, uh, especially if you look at the comments and just logically, you know, the logical progression here is that, well, the main question is an either or. It's like, do you want to see Capcom continue to support Street Fighter V and give us another season of, say, like six DLC characters? Or would you rather hope that they're moving on to other stuff and that Street Fighter V is going to get its last year, maybe two here, but mainly efforts are going into whatever's coming next and the focus is there? Now, it's not outright stated in the poll, but that's kind of the, uh, the, the, the question that people seem to have been answering when they're voting here. Uh, I, I gotta say, I, I thought that the answer would be no, we're done with Street Fighter V, it's fine, it's whatever, we'll play it, but we really want to see Street Fighter VI, and that's because of just basically how everyone's talked about the game, more or less, throughout the last four or five years, it is, or four years, I should say. It's just been all this negativity and whatnot, but when the results came in, 61.7, almost 62% said, yes, we want to see more Street Fighter V DLC characters. I was pretty surprised. That means 38.3% uh, say no. And I was actually part of that. I do want to see, especially now that the game is at a better spot than it ever has been, I want to see how it plays out. I, you know, it, it's been a long road getting to this point of being as good as Championship Edition is. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I think it's pretty good. You want to give it time to actually thrive and breathe and play out now, but at the same time, man, that's like, uh, I, I really do kind of want to get to whatever's next. This hasn't been my favorite game, and, and I think that part of me personally is, is bigger, and I figured that that would be what the community was generally thinking, but no, at least from this poll, very much, you know, the two-thirds of people want to see more Street Fighter V, they want to see it continued to be developed. And a lot of the comments that were, uh, you know, from people that said no, did specifically say no, when Street Fighter VI? No, I, I just want to see whatever comes next, stuff along those lines. But apparently people are, are still on board and still want to see this continue for a few more years. Yeah, I was, I initially I was in the no camp where I was like kind of, because we had just gotten Gil, we just gotten Seth, and like we, we kind of got that big rush of content. I'm like, let's just kind of unpack what we have here. But especially looking at the timelines where if this does come, it's probably coming in the second half of the year like it you know did previously, right? Um, and I'm like, I want to be opposed to it. Like I actually, of all things, don't want Rose right now. I want her in Street Fighter Six. Like that's really where I want her. Like because Monat really has replaced her with so many of her move sets. I'm very happy with the character now. Um, and so I, I, but I, I'm also like, you know what? If Street Fighter Six is probably like two years away uh, at a minimum, and it would be kind of cool to have another set of characters. Maybe it's like three or four characters or something like that that kind of just power us through like this remaining year of time. And I, I look back at Ultra Street Fighter Four, where we got Elena, Rolento, and others, and that was like a really cool transition that we went through from four to five. And like the the community was vibrant and happy and great. And with the just kind of the reaction we're seeing about the game. It's very positive right now. And I want to jinx it, but knock on wood there. Um, it's we're in a good spot. So I could see like, Hey, let's get, you know, two, three, four more characters in the game, do another set of balance updates. And then kind of like officially cast off street fighter five at that point. Cause it, as much as I'm complaining about Akuma, it's like, I was complaining way harder about Rashid in season four, you know, and, and uh, it, it's Akuma that he did get nerfed. It just didn't work out how I hoped it would, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like overall, I'm very happy with the game. And, and, and since we've had more of a shift to the neutral and the unga bungas down, all that kind of stuff, like it's good. So a little bit more, I, I wouldn't be opposed to. 
I'm trying to picture what that would look like and how I would feel. I guess it would be fine, um, but I, I'm I would be much more excited to hear about the details of a new game than I would about which characters are coming down the pike now. So. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Uh, that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. And uh, we had a we had a little bit of a wild ride here, like uh, just kind of having fun with it. Um, and we know what's going on with the coronavirus. Um, it's not you know not on our radars, but we're a fighting game podcast. At the end of the day, we we will talk about it more in the future. But we kind of want to focus instead of like uh, on really rough news for you know an hour or so. We want to focus on like the positive and happy things happening in our community. Um, you know, it's. Uh, it's a, it's a rough time out there, you know, so do stay safe, do stay healthy. Um, but also like, you know, enjoy, you know, a little bit of time, you know, away from all that kind of stuff as well and enjoy your fighting games, do all that kind of stuff. That's, that's what we're trying to do as well. And and there it is. Yeah. All those things that he just said was exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) So, all right, y'all we'll, uh, we'll see you soon.